Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. Hey, welcome to Radiant Church. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. We're so glad you could join us today from wherever you're watching or listening from. If this is your first time joining us, go to RadiantChurchSC.com. Click I'm new. If you fill out that short form online as a way of saying thank you, we're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that is listed. Well, we're in week two of our teaching series called When Pigs Fly, and we're taking a look at some of the impossible miracles that Jesus performed. And we throw that word miracle around a lot. Don't we? Like usually uh, we throw it around and we like luck into something. You know, we're watching a game. Oh my gosh, what a miracle, you know. Uh, but one of the phrases we'll use when describing something in need of a miracle or when something seems pretty improbable is when pigs fly. You know, as in like, I'll believe it when pigs fly, <laughs> right? And miracles aren't something that we luck into, though. They're divine interventions. God is acting in such a powerful way. The only plausible explanation is for us to say, God did it. Miracles come in all kinds of forms. And we touched on one last week as we learned how Jesus healed a paralyzed man, not by laying hands on him or even saying that he was healed, but by forgiving him of his sins. Now, that story found in Luke chapter 5, is the only instance where Jesus heals somebody by forgiving them of their sins. That shows that Christ really, truly is God. Only God has the power to forgive sins, and by healing a man, simply by forgiving him, Jesus made it abundantly clear who he was. He's God in the flesh. Now, not all miracles are physical manifestations. We're going to see another miracle that Jesus performs in Luke chapter 7. And while the physical result of the miracle was really impressive, sure, right? The miracle that I think he brings to people is the miracle of hope. And we talked about hope not too long ago in our Christmas teaching series called Carols. You can go back and watch or listen to that message. Uh, the one specifically is called I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. Um, why come back to this topic of hope then so soon? Because our world's full of uh, uh, despair. Right? Our world's desperate for it. I, I think people are desperate for hope. People you work with and hang with and go to school with, they're looking for something, anything, to give them hope. And many things can challenge us. You know, they can even rob us of hope. But few can challenge our view of hope quite like death. Some years ago, I was serving on staff at a church in Nashville, and I volunteered at one of our local hospitals as a chaplain. And I served with other area pastors in a rotation, and we served on call 24-7 for one week every six weeks. And most of the calls I received, you know, they came from, from patients and families in the ICU, particularly from those who just had little time left. And it was really an incredible experience for a guy in his mid-20s. If you're in ministry, especially if you're younger and you're watching or listening to this message, I want to encourage you, find a volunteer opportunity like that because you're going to learn more about people, how to counsel, how to comfort, how to deal with life's greatest joys, but also life's greatest tragedies. And it's going to serve you well. Uh, there were so many important lessons I learned over the years about hope in that environment. So for instance, people with hope 
they're man, they're positive. They're upbeat. They're living. They're living a, a Chumbawamba song. You know, like when they get knocked down, they get back up again. Uh, people with hope are incredibly resilient. They're able to overcome the deepest, darkest values. You know that life throws their way. Uh, they have the attitude of like, yeah, it's bleak today. It's rough, but that's okay because tomorrow is a new day. They're they're glass half full people, and I noticed this perhaps maybe you have too. There's a major difference in how families with hope deal with tragedy and hard times and brokenness. You know, even in death, people with hope will grieve very differently from those who are filled with despair. And whenever I walked into a room full of despair, man, it felt like the air was just sucked out. There's such a heaviness that was present. People who despair are people without hope. They, when despair infects your heart and your soul, it robs you of joy. It robs you really of life itself. There, there's not the same drive, the same willingness to press forward and move on. Everything just kind of stops and you get intensely critical and negative. You're downcast. You take on a feeling of emptiness. You might even feel trapped in the dark valley you're walking through, feeling as if there's never going to be a way out. People with despair, they have nothing to fight for and really nothing to hope in. And so when they grieve, it really truly is goodbye because there's, there's no hope. Maybe that describes you today. Maybe you're watching, listening, and the valley you're in is just as dark as it's ever been. Others of you might not have hit rock bottom, but man, you, you just don't feel hopeful, right? Hope has eluded you for some time. See, the longer you go without hope, uh, the more despair sets in. And despair is not a a one-person rodeo. It will infiltrate and affect every person in your circle, your friends, your family, your neighbors, your coworkers. Everyone's going to feel it and be affected by it. Now, obviously, none of us want to have those feelings, right? We, we don't want to be people consumed with despair. None of us want to live our lives devoid of all hope. Of course not. We all want hope. We want hope which will, you know, hope we can hold on to as we walk through the dark valleys, right, and, and face difficult times. We want hope which can lift us up and also encourage other people at the same time. Remember, we said last week, our lives at times are like a blank canvas. You know, we, we can feel trapped by our situations. We can feel utterly hopeless when we come face to face with impossibilities in our lives. We can miss the beauty that God wants to bring because while God sees a miracle, we, we can only see and feel an emptiness. I really believe, though, that there is a miracle waiting for some of you today. And it's not the big, you know, sexy supernatural miracles you think of when everyone is astonished and captivated and oh my gosh type kind of thing. But it's a miracle nonetheless. It's a, it's a miracle of hope. Today, God wants to work a miracle in your life and bring hope to a heart which perhaps has long been hopeless. I said earlier that few things challenge our view of hope quite like death. There were several clashes between hope and despair during the early stages of Christ's ministry. But with each encounter that Jesus has, with each miracle that he brings, he sends a powerful message that the hope God can bring can rescue us from the darkest depths of despair. I want to take you to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. Okay, Jesus has just had a famous encounter 
with a Roman officer. He's told him that his faith has basically unlocked the miracle that he was looking for. His servant's now healed. And a short time passes from that event to this next one here in verse number 11. Luke 7, verse 11. Soon afterward, Jesus went with his disciples to the village of Nain, and a large crowd followed him. And a funeral procession was coming out as he approached the village gate. And the young man who had died was the widow's only son, and a large crowd from the village was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart, look at this, overflowed with compassion. Don't cry, he said. Then he walked over to the coffin, and he touched it. And the bearer stopped. Young man, he said, I tell you, get up. And then the dead boy sat up, and he began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. What a, what a wild, by the way, just crazy sight that would have been. Can you imagine, you know, being at a viewing and someone tells the, the, the dead guy in the casket, hey, get up, you know, and they just sit right up like nothing happened. Verse 16, great fear swept the crowd and they praised God saying, a mighty prophet has risen among us and God has visited his people today. And the news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding countryside. All right. This is not the most well-known resurrection story. In fact, you may not have even heard this story before. And it's not even among the most well-known miracles for that matter. But it is one of the few encounters that is perhaps filled with the most despair in the Gospels. You say, Pastor, how's that? Well, I think it's pretty simple. No parent should ever have to bury their child. That, that, that probably tops it. You want to talk about feeling you know, despair and feeling hopeless. Like no further than a widow in the story, right? It's bad enough she lost her only son, but it gets even worse for her because she has the misfortune of being born in the first century Middle East where her options of making a living are extremely limited. So without her husband, who's no longer with her, uh, her son became her sole provider, and now he's gone, and so she's just lost her son. She's lost her provider. She's lost you know, all hope, really. She's just kind of hoping she can just make it. And she was, without a doubt, in a dark place when Jesus came onto the scene. Despair had completely engulfed her. I can say that with confidence. Now, I love what Luke says about Jesus. He says, he says when, when he saw the widow, his heart overflowed with compassion. Got to stop for a moment and tell you today that Jesus' heart overflows with compassion for you. You may feel like you're not good enough. You may feel like, you know, life has dealt you a bad hand. You may feel broken or hurt or full of despair today. But Christ's heart overflows with compassion for you. He sees you. He cares for you. You not only matter to God, you are highly valued by Him. Notice he stops the whole procession. He's so full of compassion for this widow, he stops the funeral procession to address her need. Doesn't that tell you how much he truly cares for her? I mean, doesn't it tell you too, like how much he cares for you? He stops the procession, which is no small feat. These processions were, were pretty large. There were actually professional mourners who would come and be a part of these things. It was a big ordeal. And he just stops the whole thing. And he touches what was their version of the coffin, tells the son, get up. And the young man does exactly that. He sits up and he freaks people out at the same time, man. A dead guy coming to life. We just saw him dead two seconds ago. Uh, I bet not a single person in the crowd for sure thought that Jesus would do this, let alone that he could do this. It's not like you walk around seeing dead people get raised you know, every Tuesday. Uh, it, it, it was an impossible situation for the widow. Her son was gone. There's no way he's coming back. 
and perhaps you're watching or listening here today and you feel like you're in an impossible situation of your own. You, you see the situations you're facing, you see the insurmountable odds, and you just know, man, I'm in an impossible situation. I don't know what to do. Good, <laughs> okay? Because God specializes in the impossible. He takes that empty canvas and he paints a miracle of hope where impossibility exists. In Exodus, the people of Israel are facing the impossible. The Egyptian army, the most powerful military on planet Earth at that time, was closing in from the rear. The Red Sea is staring them down up front. Fear and anxiety and panic grip the people. It looks impossible, but that's when God shows up and he parts the sea and he allows Israel to cross. You fast forward a generation when Israel's taking the land of Canaan and the first stop is not a city-state that's a cakewalk for them to conquer. No, it's the biggest, baddest, most powerful city-state in the region, Jericho. No one could scale the walls. In fact, archaeologists believe there were actually multiple layers to the walls. If you can't take Jericho, you can't take the land. It was at that time impossible to defeat a city-state like Jericho so well defended. But what does God do? He specializes in the impossible, and he works a miracle. What happens when the people of Israel defeat Jericho? The rest of the city-states in Canaan freak. Nobody had done that before. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are serving King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon. They refuse to worship this massive statue that he's built, so he orders a furnace to be heated so hot, it killed the very soldiers responsible for throwing these three guys inside. They should have died before going in like the soldiers did. But once they were inside, Nebuchadnezzar sees four, not three men walking around and they're unharmed. Is that impossible? No, because God specializes in the impossible. God knows how and when to work a miracle. And if you find yourself in an impossible situation, can I tell you, you're right where God wants you. Why? Because you can't take credit for what only God can do. It's an opportunity for Him to show you and everyone else who He is. Now imagine you're the widow's shoes here. Your husband's gone. Your son is gone. You have no hope. What do you have to live for? You're feeling despair. You want your son back. It's impossible. You know, the dead don't return to the living. It's impossible, right? Impossible until Christ paints a miracle of hope. When the widow's son sat up, her despair left instantly. She was filled with hope. Her brokenness turned to joy. She may have felt like God was distant, and this was her dark valley. You know, when you walk in life's dark valleys, you can't always feel God, can you? It's a dangerous place to be because you risk being so overcome with despair and hopelessness that you can't see and hear and touch and really feel God in any way, shape, or form. And that's the hardest part about really having faith, I think. You're walking by faith means you don't have to feel God. You don't have to hear Him. You don't have to see Him. You don't have to sense His presence. In fact, I would argue that the more you grow in your walk with Christ, the more God will put you in situations where you have to trust without feeling. And that's hard for, for Pentecostals, okay? At Radiant Church, we're part of the Assemblies of God Network, which is kind of it's Pentecostal in our theology. And there's a lot of emphasis on feeling and emotion. And that's good, right? Because God works through our emotions and feeling, but we can't live by that. 
to truly grow in our faith and in God's spirit, we have to learn to walk in those dark valleys, trusting with each step we take. God is with us. Even though we can't feel him, even though we can't, can't see him, even though there's zero evidence that we have that he's with us, we are going to trust him in this moment. And it's in those dark valley moments that we, you know, we tend to doubt, too, God's ability to paint the miracles that we need. And yet, in those moments when we feel God is distant, or we struggle to see Him at work, or we struggle to sense in Him, can I just tell you, hope remains. A few years back, there was a couple in our church who'd been praying for a, a baby, specifically a boy. Years had gone by, and, and then finally, God answered that prayer. They had their, their little boy. Isn't that great? But five weeks after he was born, it was discovered he had a rare heart defect. And no one would blame them for being angry at God. I mean, after years of praying for a baby, God finally comes through. And then like, you know, what? To take this baby right back home? That felt really hopeless. But they didn't allow despair to settle in. This couple remained hopeful. They prayed over that little boy when he was in the NICU. They thanked God for blessing him with their son, and if it meant that God was going to bring him home after such a short stay in this world, they actually got to a point where they had a peace about that. But God had other plans. He didn't call him home. And after weeks of staying in the hospital, they were finally cleared to go. And that should be the end. A nice, happy ending, put a bow on it, great. But that's not the end of the story. Because as they were actually packing up to leave the hospital room, a doctor comes back with news of yet another defect found. And this one more severe than the one that was previously resolved weeks earlier. You want to talk about the wind being blown out of your sails. Like this was it. They were crushed. They were devastated. They reached out to me and said, Pastor, we are tired. We are tired and sad and angry. Why would God do this? Does it make any sense to us? And, and, and what do you say to someone? going through something like that because you know like words don't really do the trick and so i told him the only thing i could tell him i said man it's okay to be angry at god like he didn't take it why don't you just let it out pour your heart out and as we ended the conversation i noticed something despite their feelings of, of sadness and anger and despite all the venting and kind of yelling at god they were doing and pouring their hearts out to him after all of that they still remained hopeful hope had not eluded them they had hope God would heal their son. They had hope that God would take a situation which was painful and turn it around for his good. And I thought, man, if these guys, through all they're dealing with right now, if they can still remain hopeful in Christ, there's not a reason why any of us should not remain hopeful in him as well. By the way, their little boy's now seven. He's having a great life. He's healthy. Things are going well. I'm telling you, if you're struggling with hope today, be encouraged. Jesus can paint a miracle of hope in your life. You know, hope is directly linked to our confidence in God's power. If we believe that God is powerful enough to raise the dead, if we believe his heart overflows with compassion, then we should have hope in every situation and circumstance that we face. We should have hope that we can make it because our lives are in God's hands. We should have hope that we can overcome because we've been placed with Christ at the center. What if you practice that today too, by the way, right? Like, what if you made Christ the very center of of your life? What if you took those feelings of despair to defeat Jesus? Or what if you allowed God to take the emptiness that you might be dealing with here today and paint a miracle? Paul, who was, I think, the first true church planting pioneer and missionary of the first century, he wrote a third of your New Testament. 
At the end of his life, he writes some important words to his protege named Timothy, who's pastoring his first church in Ephesus. And listen to what Paul writes in one of these letters to Timothy. So this is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 11. Paul says this, I'm comforted by this truth, that when we suffer and die for Christ, it only means we'll begin living with Him in heaven. And if we think that our present service for Him is hard, just remember, someday we're going to sit with Him and rule with Him. It's an important reminder, right? But if we give up when we suffer, look at this, and turn against Christ, well, He must turn against us. And when even when we're too weak to have any faith, He remains faithful to us and will help us, for He cannot disown us who are a part of Himself, and He will always carry out His promise to us. Jesus is the embodiment of hope. Your sickness can't rob you of God's hope. Your financial stress cannot rob you of God's hope. Your marital issues, your family problems, they cannot rob you of God's hope. If death cannot rob the widow of of God's hope, nothing you face will rob you of the hope that God wants to bring in your life today. You can have it today. And if you need that hope, man, now is the time to seize it. I want to pray for you. And in just a moment, I want you, if you need the hope that that God can bring, if you need the miracle of hope in your life, I want you to pray with me. We're going to pray together, and we're going to watch God's compassion bring a miracle of hope to your life today. But first, I want to make sure that you're a follower of Christ, because without being a follower of Jesus, you can't have access to that hope. That hope's available to you. But you got to say yes to him first. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a short prayer. And I want you to repeat after me in your own words. You don't have to do it out loud if you don't want to, but do it in your own words. Okay, I'm going to model it for you. But you do it in your own words, your own way. And we're going to ask Jesus to be our, our Savior. He's going to save us from our sins. And we're going to ask him to be our Lord, meaning we're not going to follow our own way anymore. We're now going to follow Christ's way, God's way. Then we're going to pray for hope. So Father, I thank you for those who are watching and listening right now. And for those who say, man, pastor, like I, I, I want this hope, but I'll be honest, I'm not a follower of Jesus today, but I want to make that change. And so Lord, for those folks right now, I, I pray for them. Their hearts will be open that, that God right now, they would say, Lord, I'm sorry for my sin. This is where you come in. I'm sorry for my sin. Forgive me for the wrong that I've done. I've done things I'm not proud of. I know they violated your standards. I know these are things, God, that that go against you, and I'm so sorry for that. Lord, will you forgive me and cleanse me as only you can do? Be my Savior today, and then be Lord of my life. I'm not going to do my own thing anymore. I've done things my way. I've tried it my way. It doesn't work. I'm I'm where I'm at now because of that. And so from this day on, God, I'm going to commit myself to following after you. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to follow you. Will you be the Savior and Lord of my life? And I am yours from this day forward. God, for those who need hope today, they have despair. They have all kinds of things they're dealing with right now. The miracle of hope is is, is not eluding them. It's available to them today. God, I pray for that miracle, that you would give them that miracle, that, Lord, that hope that the widow had in the story, the hope that Israel had, the hope that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had, Lord, that same hope will live 
And these individuals today who are saying, Jesus, I need it. I'm just going through a rough time. I'm going through a, a dark valley. I need that. Lord, when they can't feel you, when they can't sense you, when they don't know what's going on, I pray that they would trust you. They would walk by faith in that trust, knowing I can't see God. I can't feel God. I can't, I can't, I can't have see any evidence of God really with me, right? but I'm going to trust that he's with me and he's going to see me through this dark valley. Build their faith up, I pray. Give them a uh, hope, I pray, God, uh, that, that, that restores and replenishes and rejuvenates their very souls. God, I pray uh, that they would be living, walking examples of the hope that Christ can bring to those in their community, in their families, uh, in their schools. I pray, Lord, thank you for what you're going to do in their hearts, their lives. Thank you for giving us hope. And we ask all this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, or YouTube. If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.